Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 2. Remain standing with me as we read the Word of God in Galatians chapter 2. I've entitled this message, Grace and Freedom. Grace and Freedom. Galatians chapter 2. We're going to take a look at the first 10 verses here this morning in our series, No Other Gospel. No Other Gospel. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately or privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of circumcision... The same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach your word and thank you for the service to this point. Lord, I ask that you would do what only you can do in the hearts of these your hearers. I pray that you would work in my heart and help me to say those things would only honor and glorify you. We love you this morning. I pray for those who may not know you today that they would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. An Arab chief tells the story of a spy who was captured and then sentenced to death by a general in the Persian army. This general had the strange custom of giving condemned criminals a choice between the firing squad and the big black door. As the moment of, uh, for execution drew near, the spy was brought to the Persian general who asked the question, what will it be, the firing squad or the big black door? The spy hesitated for a very long time. It was a really difficult decision for him. But in the end, he chose the firing squad. 
Moments later, shots rang out, confirming his execution. The general turned to his aide and said, they always prefer the known over the unknown. It is characteristic of people to be afraid of the undefined, yet we gave him a choice. The aide said to the general, well, what lies behind the big black door? Freedom, replied the general, but I've only known a few brave enough to take it. See, the door of freedom, it scares many people. They prefer the comfort of the known, do we not? Even if it means death to uncertainty of the unknown. As a result, very few people actually find freedom. What do you mean? Very few people find freedom from the attitudes and the habits that enslave them day after day. We live our lives under a cloud of condemnation, just waiting to be shot down in front of a firing squad of self-righteous critics. My friends, that is no way for the believer to live. God has told us in his word that we're to have life and have it more abundantly. God intended for every believer to live free, to enjoy his son, to enjoy him in this life on our way to heaven. I guess then the question is, how? How do we get the courage to walk through the big black door of freedom? How do we get the courage to live free as God intended for us to live? How do we get the courage to really enjoy liberty in Christ? I believe it comes down to one word. Grace. Grace from God and grace to one another. See, it's the grace of God that allows us to enjoy the liberty that we have in Christ. This is what Paul was writing about. For there were those who wanted to bring the Christian back into bondage. This is what I want you to remember to take home with you. The gospel of grace gives us freedom to live in freedom. The gospel of grace gives us freedom to live in freedom. See, Paul wrote the book of Galatians so that believers in all ages could live in the freedom that the gospel of grace brings. Paul sums up the reason for his writing in, in this book here in verse 5. Take a look there. It says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. Here's the reason that he wrote the book of Galatians. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. It was the truth of the gospel that he wanted to see continue in the lives of these individuals. It's the truth of the gospel that we are to have continued with us. It is the truth of this gospel of grace that is to remain with us. It's to exist with us and in us. See, the truth of the gospel of grace is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
And Paul has been laying out the evidence here in the beginning of the book of Galatians that there is nothing other, listen, there is nothing other than Jesus Christ that is needed for salvation. And can I say, there is nothing other than Jesus Christ that is needed for your sanctification. The problem was that there were others that were saying that Jesus plus something else was needed for one to be accepted and known by God. This past week, I was speaking with a former nun. And as we talked, I asked her, I said, how would you tell me to get to heaven? If I were to ask you how to get to heaven, how could you tell me to get to heaven? Because I, I want to go to heaven. She said to me, and I quote, love God, love your neighbor, and do good. Friends, that's not the gospel. I asked her, well then, how do I get rid of my sin? She said, well, you go and confess them to a priest and say a prayer. And if, and if you've harmed someone else, you try your best way possible to make it right. Friends, that's not the gospel. See, man has added to the gospel. They, they want to do their part, don't we? And what I find interesting is that we would get on those who would try and add something to the gospel before salvation. What I find interesting with Christians and most churches today, that they are trying to add something to the gospel after salvation. We are still trying to earn God's good graces by what we do and how we live and all those type of things. Listen, we ought to live right. We ought to be obedient unto God. But as I've said before, you do not do those things to earn God's favor or earn God's grace. You do those things because God's grace has been poured out upon you. There's a major difference. And Paul was facing this exact same thing about how man want to add to the gospel. Turn over to Acts chapter 15. I want to show you because this is the correlating passage. This was what happened behind the scenes. Okay, in Acts chapter 15, this is relating to the book of Galatians. And so Paul finally makes his way back to Jerusalem. And it says in verse 1, Acts chapter 15, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses... Ye cannot be saved. Whoa. Acts 15, 5, take a look. But there rose up a certain sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. I want you to note something. It started out with just circumcision. But listen, whenever you try and add law to grace, man always adds more to it. It always goes further. This group says, well, if you do this, then you're a really good Christian. But then this group says, well, yeah, you need to do that, but then you need to do this. And then this group says, well, that's good and that's good, but then you need to do this. And then another group says, well, this is right and this is right and this is right. But if you really want to be... That's not how we get saved and that's not how we develop in sanctification. See, they were saying that Jesus' work was good, but that re God required a little effort on our part. Let me ask you something, and I don't expect an audible response, but let me ask you something. How did you get saved, 
if you know Christ this morning. You got saved through faith. By grace are you saved through faith. You put your faith and trust in the work of the, and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? Just like you got saved by faith, you are sanctified by faith. You are trusting that he which hath begun a good work in you, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So just as we don't add anything to our faith for salvation, we don't add anything to our sanctification. It's just faith that God's doing work in and through us. See, friends, this is not just a slight deviation from the gospel. When you add anything to Christ, it's a completely different gospel. It's a false gospel. Paul, now he goes to Jerusalem here, and it's been 14 years since his last visit. He was there for 15 days. He had been preaching the gospel now for 17 years. He had been preaching. From the time that he got saved on the road to Damascus till now, when he goes back to Jerusalem, he had been preaching the gospel for 17 years. And Paul goes up on two accounts. He goes up, one, because he received a revelation from God that he was to go up. And he was also commissioned by the church to go to Jerusalem. You can find that in Acts chapter 15 and verse 2. Take a look about uh, his trip in, in Jerusalem. Take a look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 2. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately unto them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. You know what he did? He went back to Jerusalem after 14 years, and he clearly showed to them or told them the gospel that he was preaching. It says in this portion of Scripture, it says that he spoke to those who were of reputation. That means those who were important in the church. You know who that was? It was Peter, James, and John. It tells us in the text there. You say, well, I guess Paul went back to Jerusalem to be able to make sure that he was preaching the right thing. No, that, that wasn't the case at all. He didn't go back to Jerusalem to make sure that, oh, I need to ask Peter and James and John, is this the right gospel that I'm preaching? No. The reason that Paul went back to Jerusalem was because he was sent by God. He didn't need their approval. Paul's not questioning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the reason that he was sent to Jerusalem was because they needed him. He did not need them. And he laid out before the whole church and then them privately, the three, what he was preaching. Take a look at Galatians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Now, this is a big deal, folks. This is huge. Why? Because there are some big issues at stake. You know what's at stake? And what's at stake there and what's at stake for us here today? Two things. Truth and freedom. See, the two issues that are at stake are truth and freedom. 
And there are going to be ramifications for a false gospel if it's allowed to continue. What, what if we allowed a false gospel to continue here? You know what's going to happen? Ministry to people is going to be undone. What if we allowed a false gospel to continue at open Bible? Freedom will be lost and, and bondage will become the norm. What if we were to allow a false gospel to continue here at open Bible? Well, then truth will be replaced with a lie. Now tell me this morning, church, what would you rather have? People built up or tor torn down? People in freedom or in slavery? People believing a truth or a lie, what would you rather have? See, you can see that this is serious. But I want you to take it, if you know Christ is your personal Savior, I want you to take it from your salvation experience, and now I want you to take it for your daily living with Christ every day. What do you add to the gospel in your life every day? Well, man, if I have my devotions, I've been a good Christian. Should you have your devotions? Yes, you should. But my friends, you can be a bad Christian and still have your devotions. Why? Because there's no developing relationship with Jesus Christ. You're reading the Bible like you read the newspaper. Well, if I, if I give to the church, then I, I'm a good Christian, and I'm, I'm growing in Christ. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. You could just be giving out of guilt. See, what we do is we don't add to our salvation, but for us as believers, what we do is we add to our sanctification and we put all these little boxes next to being a good Christian and if we tick off all the boxes, then in our eyes we're a good Christian, but when God looks upon us, he's saying, wait a second, you're adding to my daily grace that I give you every day. You are not doing anything for yourself or for me. See, if we add anything to the gospel, it damages ministry it makes us slaves who believe lies. Paul, in this text here, he gives us two examples of the authenticity of the gospel of grace. Take a look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 3, if you would, please. But, but neither Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. How many of you have that as your life verse? Anybody have that cross-stitched on anything hanging up on your wall? Yeah. I, most people say, well, why is that in there? This is, this is key. This is huge. See, I want you to understand something. God does, just didn't put words in the Bible just to fill it up so he had 66 books. Every word of God is important for us. And what Paul's doing is he's proving his argument. Remember, the, the Judaizers are saying, wait, Jesus plus circumcision. You need to be circumcised. Paul's not teaching you the whole gospel. But he says, but neither Titus. He, say, he, he tells us that he brings Titus with us, with him. Well, what does that matter to me? Who cares? Because he's proving a point here. And he's showing us in the 21st century that the gospel that was preached from Paul and from the apostles is the truth. And that we can, we can depend upon it today. First example is Titus. What you have to understand about Titus is that he was a Greek. He was a Gentile. And Paul's basically saying, now let's talk about the practical. You Judaizers, you want to talk about the gospel? Let's talk about this. Titus goes to, with Paul to the uh, council of Jerusalem. And he meets all the bigwigs. 
Peter, James, and John, the inner circle of Christ, the three that were with him at the Mount of Transfiguration, the three that prayed with Jesus at the garden. I mean, these are the biggest of the big. If anybody would be able to say something about Titus, who was a Gentile, a Greek, it would be then. You say, well, why? Because Titus was uncircumcised. He wasn't circumcised. And for a Jew, I was like, you got to be kidding me. They can't be part of God's family. Why? Because they're not circumcised. See, and Paul brings this whole issue of adding to the gospel to real people. He uses Titus as an example. See, the point is that if the Jewish apostles in Jerusalem did not require Titus, a Gentile, to be circumcised, then how could those false teachers, the Judaizers, require it for all other Gentiles? See, the reason that Peter, James, and John didn't force Titus to become circumcised was because they agreed with Paul that Jesus was and is enough. See, Titus was a case study of the gospel of grace. And you thought that your ethnicity didn't mean anything. God can even use your ethnicity to be able to share the gospel of grace. The second example, take a look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 6. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no, man person, no man's person. He's talking about Peter, James, and John, those who seem to be the bigwigs. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. It was in Jerusalem that this inner circle that had met with Jesus for three years, this is where Paul and Titus were, these were influential people. Peter, James, and John, they, if you will, they had prestige. They had status. But you know what Paul says here? He says, Paul states that when we stand before God, nothing apart from Jesus matters. See, it's not your position. See, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to heaven because I'm a pastor. I'm going to heaven because I saw myself as a sinner according to the word of God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He rose again three days later, and I accepted that free gift of salvation. I put my faith in him. See, your position does not matter. Your status does not matter. Your power does not matter. Your reputation does not matter. Your influence does not matter. Your accomplishments do not matter. They will not do anything for us when we stand before God. The only thing that impresses God is that we are in Christ. That's what impresses God. See, it's the gospel of grace that is the only acceptance that we have with God. See, what we do as Christians, as I previously mentioned to you, is that we try and gain acceptance with God by living a good Christian life. We accept Christ by faith, but now it's all up to us to be good Christians. Listen, that is horrible, horrible, horrible theology. It's the opposite of grace and freedom. It's law and bondage. And the problem with most Christians today is that we have for too long accepted bad theology. We have a theological problem. 
One man said it like this. He said, it's about bad theology. The kind of theology that when it's preached and taught and made a part of our lives makes us worried and miserable. The good news is it's not in the Bible and you don't have to believe it. What the gospel of Christ does is give us Christ and that is enough. We, can't, we can let everything else be what it is. Hard work, worthwhile work, works of love, and heartaches that come with all that. And we can let our feelings be what they are, whatever that may be. What matters is Jesus Christ, and the gospel tells us that all is well on that score, that we are our beloved, and he is ours. See, whenever, listen, whenever you and I add anything else other than Jesus for acceptance with God, listen, you have lost your grip on the gospel. You know, you can be a born-again believer here this morning and have lost your grip on the gospel because the way you are living your life. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that we need to throw ourselves upon the mercy of Jesus every day. How often do we really do that? We go about our lives thinking that because we've done this, that, or the other thing, that we're good in God's sight. Whenever you and I look at anything other than Jesus for acceptance with God, we've lost our grip on the gospel. Don't let anyone, yourself included, put you back into bondage. So what does it mean? What does this mean for the ministry of the gospel of grace? Write these things down real quick. What does it mean? That was all by way of introduction. <laughs> but these go real fast. What does it mean? The gospel of grace is to advance the kingdom of God. The gospel of grace is to advance the kingdom of God. Take a look at verse 7 of Galatians chapter 2. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. What is he saying? Paul was called to preach to the, uh, to the grace of the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter was called to preach the gospel of grace to the Jews. See, the gospel of grace is to advance the kingdom. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace. See, that tells me, that one verse right there tells me that each of us is called to preach the gospel of grace to someone in our circle of influence. All of us. All of us. Because the gospel of grace is to advance the kingdom of God. Let me ask you, who are you sharing the gospel of grace with to advance the kingdom? Whether you realize it or not, this past week, you put in 40, maybe 40 plus hours of your life to advance your kingdom. Well, what are we doing to advance his kingdom? Unless, unless. See, I don't believe that there's a secular and, and spiritual divide. I believe that everything should be one, we shouldn't have segregated lives unless you use where your work to advance the kingdom of the gospel. See, if not, then you just built your own kingdom. Oh, I'm not saying that you got to go into your work tomorrow morning carrying your family Bible and waving it and say, hey, I just want to let you know. 
But you know what? When everybody's complaining about the boss and I can't believe that he's making us work overtime or whatever the case may be, you know what you could do instead of complaining and chiming in? You say, man, I'm just thankful that I got a job. Thank God that he gave me a job. Hmm. Then people might ask, well, what are you, Mr. Brown Noser? You're just trying to, su uh, to suck up to the big man, you know? You don't want to stick it to the man? No, it has nothing to do with that. I just, I just know that if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't have this job. What are you talking about? You see what I'm saying? You've just turned it from advancing your kingdom to advancing his. Number two. What does this teach us about the ministry of the gospel of grace? That the gospel of grace is God's work done through us, not our work done for God. See, what I basically told you in the first point is let God work through you. And this is what's reiterated here in the second point of Galatians chapter 2 and verse 8. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of circumcision, the same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. Paul is saying, just like God was working in the life of Peter to be able to evangelize the Jews, God is working in my life to evangelize the Gentiles. Paul didn't talk about what all the things that he was doing for God. What did he do? No, he talked about what God was doing through him. Let me ask you, where do you see God working in your life to advance the kingdom? What is God doing in your life to be able to help move forward the gospel of grace? You say, well, you know, eh, really don't see much. Well, where's the problem? Is it with you or is it with God? Well, God's really not doing anything in my life with that. Where's the problem then? Because God is always wanting to advance his kingdom. Look, God loves this world a whole lot more than any of us do. He loves people more than any of us do. He loves his work here more than any of us do. So then the question is, what's God doing in your life working through? How is he working through you to advance the kingdom? See, this is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Stop, doing it. Stop trying to do a work for God and allow God to do a work through you. Every preacher, I'll open up the parsonage drawer a little bit, every preacher when they get in the flesh always wants to build, always wants to build the church. I don't know of a single preacher out there that likes to preach to empty pews. Matter of fact, you know the kind of complaining that I want? I want people complaining that, man, I don't have any place to sit. Man, we're going to have to start two Sunday morning services. Man, this place is just packed out. I mean, in, in a preacher, when he gets to the flesh, he's just like, hey, oh, man, well, if we could just run this or we could just run that or just run this. And every young preacher goes through that when you get in the flesh. But you know what I found? It's not me doing that work for God. It's God doing a work through me. That doesn't mean that I don't do my part to be able to share the gospel, to, to not invite folks and things like that. But you know what? After I've done my part, the results are up to God. I've done everything that I can, Lord. 
Lord, I've done everything that you, you put upon my heart to do. Lord, I've done everything that you've wanted me to do, and, 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 and I, I put my best effort forward. I can lay my head on the pillow knowing, Lord, that, that I'm honest with you. I have a, a conscience void of offense against man and against you, and I can fall asleep. Now, Lord, if there's three, 300, or 3,000 that show up, that's on you. See, there's a difference between doing a work for God and allowing God to do a work through us. Number three. So what's this ministry of the gospel of grace? Number three. The gospel of a grace is a gift from God, not a work of man. Take a look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9. And when James, Cephas, and John, Cephas is another name for Peter, who seemed to be pillars, and remember these were the big wakes, perceived that the grace was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. See, what, is it, what Paul is saying here is that I didn't receive the grace of God from these men. And guess what? You don't receive the grace of God from men. You receive the grace of God from God. I don't give you the grace of God. I don't bestow upon you the grace of God. Now, there may be some out in other religions that would want you to think that. That because they wear a certain garb or they have a certain type of uh, dress or they wear certain clothing or whatever the case may be, that they can bestow upon you the grace of God. No, I can't bestow upon you and neither can anybody else bestow upon you the grace of God. It is given by God to man. And it was the inner circle of Jesus Peter, James, and John that saw the gospel of grace that was given unto Paul. See, and when, when, Paul, when they saw that Paul was a man who had received the grace of the gospel, you know what it says? It says that they gave him the right hands of fellowship. You know what, know what Paul is saying? I just want to let you, you uh, Judaizers know and the Galatians know that the, the, the inner circle, the big wigs, they approved my message. They approved what God was doing in me. That's what it means by giving the right hand of fellowship. When we have the right hand of fellowship up here, what we're saying is we approve of the salvation testimony of this individual and that they line up with the doctrine that is taught here from the word of God. That's what we're, that's what we're saying when we bring somebody into the right hand of fellowship. We approve that they are saved, that they've been baptized, and that they, they, they are committed to this way of, of living, this doctrine. Let me ask you something. If somebody were to evaluate your life in the, in the part of sanctification, would they be able to approve the way that you live when it comes to growing in grace? That's what sanctification is, just growing in grace, becoming more Christ-like. Or are you trying to add something to it? The inner circle said here, no, the gospel of grace was given to Paul. We didn't bestow it upon him, and we approved. Let me tell you something, Judaizers, if you're looking for a big weeks to approve, they approved it. Not that Paul needed it. He said, we approve. And then number four, what's this ministry of the gospel of grace? Is a gift of God to all men. It's a gift of God to all men. Take a look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 10. Only that we should remember. This is what the inner circle said. This is what Peter, James, and John said. This is what the church of Jerusalem said. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. 
This is not only, one of the things it's talking about is a social aspect, is to be able to provide for the needs of the poor. It is talking about that. But one of the things that I see here spiritually is that the gospel of grace is a gift of God to all men. See, it doesn't matter who you are. The gospel of grace is good for everybody. Your economic status does not determine if you're eligible or not. Everybody is eligible for the grace of the gospel. The gospel's a gift. And Paul understood that. See, friends, this morning there is only one gospel. There might be different methods of getting the gospel to people. Paul said, I want to be all things to all men. But there's only one gospel. And Paul's motivation was the glory of God through sharing the gospel of grace. Let me ask you something. What's your motivation for life? Are you living in grace and freedom or are you living in law and bondage? Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted Him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in Him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done in this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.